with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper! The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is episode 60 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for tuning in to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, I cannot believe we have reached 60 episodes. Uh, it's, it's truly something amazing, and blessed to be able to speak on, on a platform like this and be able to. You know, share my love for women's soccer, share our love for the game and what we think needs to be done and along with where the game is going. So again, everything in relation to that coming to you live from Los Angeles. Thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us. Again, for all the latest and greatest news analysis and everything in between, go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com and again, Check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. And of course, be sure to let Siri know about this podcast, right? How else are you going to get to this episode? Unless, of course, you have notifications turned on. That would also be ideal. So either have notifications turned on, make sure you're subscribed. And of course, any type of feedback, review, anything is greatly appreciated. We're trying to do what we can to get better and take this podcast to the next level and give you guys the content that you want. So if there's anyone that you'd like us to speak to, anyone you'd like us to interview, anyone you want us to get in touch with, please let us know. and We will be happy to do that going forward. All right. It's, it's a very special episode. One, because we're talking about a very important topic and something that has been created in order to help us bridge this issue and, and bridge the gap during with this issue so i think this is a very very special interview with safe sport a technology and app online platform that essentially allows for people to openly be able to report abuse if you see something say something and considering the times that we live in today uh this app this platform is something that again we definitely want everyone to know about and of course during the convention when we were there our CEO and founder Jen spoke with the CEO of SafeSport about what the product is what they are looking to do within this community so without further ado we will get right into the interview enjoy guys it's Jen, and I am recording from the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philly. I'm so excited to be sitting here with Juris Colon, uh, the CEO of SafeSport, um, an organization that I have been incredibly impressed and motivated by, by bringing this layer of education and safety that the women's and girls game has needed for so long. First, I just 
you know, I want to say welcome to Give and Go and, um, and talk to you just a little bit about how you are a true child's advocate. <laughs> like that is really been your, your mission in your, your work life, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, it is, you know, I, I think about it as I've been doing this work now for over 20 years now, which is hard to believe. <laughs> but yeah. She looks really young, you guys, so it is hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been a life mission, and yeah. I'm just, I'm grateful that I get to do this work, and I have been doing it for so long, and that the path that I started on, like, 20 years ago has led me to this place uh, to be able to make a real change, and I, I love it. So uh, I started my career at the National Center for Missing Exploited Children. Okay. And, I, you know, my first job was answering phones overnight, uh, talking to parents uh, whose kids were missing, uh, and whose kids were being exploited. And those were some of the toughest conversations that I've ever had in my life. And I do this every day. <laughs> but you were just starting then, too. So that really, you must have developed a thick skin. Yeah, you have to. Yes. Right? Um, you learn how to compartmentalize. Um, so it doesn't take over your whole life, but it also just reminded me, it reminded me how important the work is yeah. and that the need for people to be able to do this because parents relied on us, kids relied on us, law enforcement relied on us to really be an extra support. Um, and that just, it fuels me um, and it still does. Yeah. How much did the women's and girls gymnastics from the Olympics, that that whole group of girls that suffered the abuse, how much of that fed into the creation of safe sport? I mean, it was the impetus, really. Um, you know, that all unfolded around 2015, 2016. And it was at a time where, one, people were just outraged. They were confused that how in the world could this have happened and to this scale. And who in the world is going to make it better? Who is going to take responsibility and fix this mess that um, has been created? And, and we looked around and there was no organization responsible for that. And so Congress um, passed the Safe Sport Authorization Act uh, in 2018. We opened our doors in 2017, just a few short months after Larry Nasser was sitting in jail. And that was the start of it all. And, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get, right? Because we were the first organization in the world to do this. And we got a phone call on the first day. And there hasn't been a day that has gone by in the last five and a half years that we haven't gotten a phone call from someone who is either reporting abuse, has questions about abuse, or has seen it in his reporting as a, as a bystander. Wow. Let's, let's talk a little bit about soccer and just the the bounty of cases over the last couple of years really the unearthing of of all of this abuse how how involved are you now with the nwsl so you know the the center for safe sport we have jurisdiction over 55 plus sports that live within the olympic and paralympic and soccer is one of them, um, particularly through the U.S. Soccer Federation. And NWSL, MLS, a lot of these other organizations that sort of sit on the periphery of, of, of U.S. sports, um, our U.S. Soccer Federation, are deeply connected and involved. And while we don't necessarily have jurisdiction over everyone who's connected to NWSL or MLS, there was a lot of overlap. And so we went to have conversations with all these organizations, one, so that we can come to consensus on what needs to be done. 
time, but also to provide resources and tools so it never happens again. You know, I think one of the best things that I've seen come out of all of this, because it is a, it, it's, we've been watching it unfold just like the rest of the world has, is that NWSL has stood up and um, is making substantive changes and making their actions public um, as a result of, of this, you know, really just kind of a earth-shattering investigation. Um, I know. It's, and, it's, I think, six teams of the, you know, have some, some form of abuse, right? Um, and then at the youth level, are you involved with clubs? Do clubs work with safe sport? Is that... How does that work? So, you know, soccer is kind of complicated, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Um, and so underneath Soccer Federation, you've got the local affiliated organizations, but you also have the um, youth soccer organization. And so while, again, they're not technically under the jurisdiction of the Center for Sea Sport, we share resources, um, we share tools, we share policies, because even if organizations aren't necessarily under the center's jurisdiction. We want everybody to be operating from the same sheet of music when it comes to safety. So we want people to have their same policies. We want people to have the same education and really put athlete safety first. And because of the really tricky uh, um, structure of, of soccer, um, it's hard to say like well, this whole team might be in our jurisdiction or it might just be a handful of coaches. But because people kind of go in and out of the movement, we want to make sure that everyone, no matter where they stand, um, has the, everything they need to keep their athletes safe, especially once they're kids. Yeah. They need the most protection. For parents, what is the process of reporting someone, and how do you how do you vet that? So it's really easy, right? So you know, one of the things that we wanted to do when we first opened our doors is break down any barriers reporting that we can that we can identify. So you can call us, you can email us, um, you can go through um, through an app. Like, there are lots of ways to get to the Center for Safe Sport. We want to make that easy as possible. If you want to call us and say, hey, here's what happened to me or to someone that I know, we make it easy. If you want to remain anonymous and you don't want to give us your name at first, that's also fine because we want to get that information and then be able to open substantive investigations when necessary and then investigate them throughout the entire process. Um, and we get a lot of phone calls from parents because, you know, we deal a lot with, with kids across all sports. And parents have to feel safe and, and, and secure and they're going to give some very sensitive information um, about their kids or about their kids' teammates. So we want to make that as easy as possible not threatening at all, um, but we also want to get enough information so that we can take action. Um, and that's one of the things that makes Safe Sport different from a lot of organizations, that we have the ability to take action, whether that is um, acknowledging that abuse has happened, not removing people from sport, sanctioning organizations, all these things, um, and no one else can do that. And I think and it's just so important that parents keep calling us. It's interesting. I just got a, a press release from the NWSL, and it had listed, and it, it was three different categories of abuse, right? And it was really just interesting to me how it's now broken down with the coaches who, there are coaches now that have been banned for life from coaching, coaching, and then there are some that have to take a two-year break, and then they can be reconsidered. It, it was just interesting. I had never seen it put out so many advances have just come in the last really two three years right 
exponential growth. And it's really, you guys are at the forefront of that. Well, you know, we're at the front, forefront, but we are right there alongside the athletes because their voice, yeah. their voice is what has made all of this possible. Uh, I think about, you know, the, the gymnasts from, uh, from five, six years ago, right? They were able to use their voice in a way that I don't think any group of athletes has ever done before. And I want to say that their choice to come forward in the way that they did and never letting people forget has given some agency to other women, to other victims of of abuse to do the exact same thing. And I think that's what we're seeing in soccer. And while it is disturbing to to read, it's really heartbreaking to know that people have been going through this for so very long. It gives me hope. Yeah. Because it means that people are finally reporting, yes. they're coming forward, and they are not going to let us forget. And they're not going to let us just slide things under the, the rug that has been happening for years. Totally. That, that era is over. It is. It is. So it's free to report someone. Absolutely. Okay, so that process is free. But you guys do... You work with companies, an organization. That's kind of the, the business model, so to speak, right? Sure. So we offer um, education and training for anyone inside the Olympic and Paralympic movement, which is about 11 to 14 million people. Um, and so those are the folks that are required to take our training. But we do offer our training to those outside the movement because people want quality education to help them understand, respond, and recognize the abuse. And so we work with a lot of organizations, including the United States. Uh, soccer coaches association um, to provide training for coaches because the coaches are the tip of the spear. Right? Yeah, for they sure. need to understand this. They need to be able to recognize and be empowered to report. Um, if we can get more coaches to understand that, to take more training, we will all be better for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that how do we get to a point where we don't need something like safe sport, right? So we've done probably in the last, since a lot of this abuse stuff really came out within the soccer world, three or four pieces on this topic, a lot geared towards coaches and how you talk to girls, because we are Girl Soccer Network. Of course, this extends to boys too, but there are differences. And, um, you know, we've really tried to amplify this message of, of safety and respect at the end of the day. That's what it is. It's respect. So how do you get it to the point where are you working with those coaches to prevent this to happen? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, an organization like the Center for Safe Sport shouldn't have to exist. Right? Because we should all be kind to each other. We shouldn't tolerate abuse. But that's not the world we live in. Um, and one day, do we want to be in a place where we, we're not needed? Absolutely. Right? We want to work ourselves out of business. But until then, yeah. we want people to you know, acknowledge that there's an issue. Um, and then start to really incorporate a lot of the education, a lot of the reporting tools, a lot of the prevention into their daily practices. That is the only way that we're going to start to see real substantive culture change. Yeah. And that is what we need, not just in soccer, but across sports entirely. Frankly, we need it across the entire Yes. The globe needs this, right? 100%. Um, we got to start, you know, where we can, and that's in sport, because sport has a, a, a really beautiful way of guiding the country to different things, and it has opened up uh, so many things for, for people across this country, especially kids. Um, so why not start with sport? It has the power to really make change. We've seen it before. A spark starts a fire, right? It's a, <laughs> there you go. 
what do people need to know about Safe Sport? I think one is that it's a free resource. Um, and, you know, come to the website, take a look at our resources. We have them for coaches, for parents, for athletes. Um, it starts with education. And the more people understand what the image looks like, the more people that will be armed to prevent it, and the better off we will all be. So I say come to the website, USNFSaceport.org, take a look at our resources, check our centralized disciplinary database, um, because that's an incredible wealth of information when you're making selections about coaches and volunteers. Um, but there's a little bit of something there for everybody. Can you search people? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So the center is, uh, we've, we've sanctioned over 1,800 people um, since we've been open. Um, which is incredible to think about. Yeah. Um, and those are people that are no longer able to participate in sport in some form or fashion. So right. similar to NWSL, yeah. you know, two weeks, two months, two years, forever, yeah. uh, based on um, the allegations and the investigation that uh, happened after that. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thrilled. Thank you. Again, that was Dries Cologne, the CEO of Safe Sport and Again, it's only right that we talk about how important a platform like this is in the context of women's soccer. Now, we've been hearing through the Yates report just how much has been going on behind the scenes within the NWSL. And it's obviously harrowing news when you hear all of that stuff come out in terms of abuse and everything that has been going on that is so awful. And so now we have something like Safe Sport coming in, and now we actually have an opportunity to do something about it. I think the biggest thing has become people are afraid to speak up, people are afraid to, to do something about it because of the consequences or what comes with it, right? All of a sudden you, you become involved in something bigger than yourself, and I think people are afraid to do that. People don't want to take that step um, and just do the right thing when when something's going wrong, when you see abuse, when you see something that isn't right and you know it, your intuition, it, it, it's deep down in your gut, you know something's not right and you want to speak up and say something about it. Now you have the opportunity to do that. Again, Safe Sport is going to be able to do so much in terms of protecting the players, really. I mean enough is enough and i think something like safe sport when you're talking about it being used in not just the professional soccer context but more, more importantly youth soccer context because like the reason we're in this position now or the reason why we've been able to get any type of progress is because women were finally speaking up but notice how it's they're adults and they and it's still difficult Right, as an adult to have to fight through that and, and fight through your trauma, fight through what you've been through and be vulnerable and open and share. And imagine if that's what it's like for adults. Could you imagine being a, at the youth level and something happened to you and you're afraid to, to speak up about something and you don't want to say anything? Could you imagine what it would be like for, for a lot of young girls out there? So... Again, this app is so incredibly, incredibly important. And and it's very critical that we get everybody on it. We get the word out as much as possible. Again, safe sport, especially with NWSL back now. It We would think it appears right now everything is 
is okay. We've the league has removed just about as much as they can possibly remove in terms of what's not good for the league. They're doing as much as they can. So that's where safe sport again comes into play and it is so critical that you guys get on this, you get familiar with using it, right? Cuz that's the key, biggest thing. It is meant to be as easy as possible to be able to report something and not have to jump through 50 million hoops in order to do so, right? Because it's about safety and it's about making sure that as quickly as possible the situation gets resolved rather than allowing things to continue for long periods of time due to whatever reasons, whether it's a bureaucratic process or whatever it means, you know, now we can get help right away. So again, safe sport. Be sure, again, to check out their website, as mentioned in the interview, social media, the app. Again, just Google SafeSport and you'll get everything that you need on the app, on the platform. So again, be sure to go check out SafeSport, guys. All right. After talking with SafeSport, it's only fitting we get right into the NWSL. Thank God we have the NWSL back and it has come back with a bang. These first two weeks have been incredibly exciting some exciting matches we want to recap and and take you through we will get into europe after this but first of course we have to get into the nwsl and some news from around the league so before we get into results i think two big pieces of news these young teenagers breaking into the league chloe ricketts with the washington spirit and melanie barcenas with the san diego wave 15 years old each. Unreal. I know Olivia Moultrie certainly broke a barrier, and now we're starting to see the true effects of that now. Once Olivia Moultrie came in, then you saw Trinity Rodman come in, you've seen Jane Shaw come in, and now we have these young players who can clearly play. Okay, they're 15-year-old prodigies who have essentially said, we don't need, we don't need college uh, we're ready to, to take the leap and, and dive in right away. And when you're seeing even someone like Alyssa Thompson go number one overall from high school to the pros, I mean, you're seeing it happen, and it's only going to happen in droves now. So the revolution is here. The youth movement is here. And I think you can see that within the first two weeks of the season, the league is, is being run by, by young stars. Sophia Smith is on another level right now, looking like an MVP. Again, is coming her way. I don't see anyone being able to contest her unless Mallory Swanson uh, can can match her goal total, but teams are doing a really great job of slowing her down so far. I'm talking about Mallory Swanson, but again, going back to the league being run by young stars. Alyssa Thompson, two goals in two games. Jaden Shaw, two goals in two games. Trinity Rodman scored in her opener. Diana Ordonez scored uh, in, in their last game. She's back closer to home now second year player there's all these bright young stars in the league bethany balser is there as well there's so many great young players now who are taking it we're going to take this league to the next level really to inspire the next generation this right now the way the league looks it looks more like i wouldn't say it makes it more legit but this is what really brings the, the quality has gone up is what i will say the quality has truly gone up and seeing again these young stars take over has been incredibly exciting there is another controversial thing to keep in mind here and that is 
VAR being implemented. I, I found it very interesting that the NWSL decided to do that right away. Uh, I don't know if it's in conjunction with trying to improve the refereeing situation and kind of trying to cover themselves and say, refereeing hasn't been that good. Let's implement VAR to, to cover ourselves. Or it's just, you know, because they want what, they want what's best for, for the game. And I would hope to think that it's the latter and that they want what's best for the game, but VAR is going to be a talking point, and it already was within the first two weeks of the season. I think you look directly to Angel City's opener against Gotham, up 1-0, and Junendo scores an incredible goal uh, from about 30, 40 yards out, shipping Abby Smith, but it gets called back due to VAR. There was an earlier foul called in the buildup, which is just unfortunate. You know, there were others that, again, we're about to get into. Let's take a look at some of these incredible matches that we just witnessed. The Thorns were on fire. Okay, so Kansas City has high expectations going into this year, but I think we need to put a damper on those expectations because last year they were flying under the radar. No one really knew about them. Now, with expectations as high as they've ever been and playoffs and a potential title contender um, in the midst is is kind of a big deal for Kansas City and now how do you shift your focus from we were bad now we're good and expectations are on us you surprisingly lose to the courage I think no one really saw that coming the courage are gonna be plowing along in their rebuild and nothing's gonna slow them down they're gonna keep going but they snuck out a big win against Kansas City and then they couldn't hang with Portland. Uh, Sophia Smith is a very clearly a problem. <laughs> I mean, if, she, if you didn't know that already, um, the Kansas City did make it interesting. CC Kaiser scored on a set piece to make it 2-1, but Smith scored twice in the last uh, seven minutes of the game to make it 4-1 and put it to bed. Really, she's just so much quicker, faster, better than everyone else. Like the, the Kansas City defense couldn't get anywhere close to her. To be honest with you, it was it was honestly, it was it was borderline embarrassing for Kansas City to have to just like, like that. There was one goal where Smith went through four Kansas City players, four Kansas City players on the way to scoring. So, just that's not good enough if you're Kansas City. They know that they will have to improve. But as a team that had expectations set sky high. They're going to have to do better. Portland, again, looks like the team to beat as the defending champs. Um, good luck stopping them, other teams, because you have to stop Sophia Smith, and then when you don't, you have to worry about Morgan Weaver and Hina Sugita. Um, they're, they're just really, really good, man. There's no <laughs> good luck trying to stop this Thorns team this year. Certainly looking like a top three team. Chicago, again, another team I think everyone's got high expectations for, and they've come out and lost their first two games. Again, two tough matches, two very tough matches. That uh, The first game against the Wave, naturally, in prime time, there was a bit of controversy. I think that penalty given to Alex Morgan, people are going to talk about as, as the game winners. So, again, the Red Stars will feel hard done by after that first game, and then same with the second game. A tightly contested game where, you know, Houston actually for once held on to a lead. Um, 
Maria Sanchez got on the board early, not quite sure what was going on with Chicago defensively, but Chicago got it right back with an own goal off Natalie Jacobs, and uh, the, the biggest surprise was the dash holding on to a lead. That really was the key to this game. Chicago threw everything at Houston. They threw everything at him those last 30 minutes. And Natalie Jacobs and Alicia Chapman made two incredible saves. That Yeah, it had nothing to do with Jane Campbell, I know. Nothing to do with Jane Campbell. Natalie Jacobs made the most incredible saves, sprinting back, recovering, uh, covering the defender who was going to have pretty much a header into the net. Jacobs put her, like, fired it over the crossbar. Like, very low margin for error. If she gets it wrong, she's kicking it into the back of her own net. But she manages to clear it over the bar. Had to get it just right, and she did. And the same thing goes for Alicia Chapman. Off a corner kick, clearing it off the line. One of the smallest players on the pitch clears the ball off the line. And not only that, but gets enough under her header to, again, get it over the bar. Again, just like Jacobs, very small margin for error. And if she gets it wrong, it's in the back of the net, and it's another own goal. And Houston would have <laughs> probably given up a draw. probably would have matched, would have ended in a draw with two own goals for the Red Stars to have tied the game, which would have been unreal. But still, what an incredible match this was. The Dash, if they can do this more often and they can win games with leads and secure leads, then they're they're going to solidify their confidence and really make a push as a title contender this year and build off of their first ever playoff appearance last year. So Houston, I think, has the chance to be that fourth team behind the Thorns, Wave, and Rain in terms of overall best talent and where they're going to finish in the standings. That's kind of where it looks like to me right now. I think the Thorns, Wave, and Rain are your top three in whatever order you want to put them in. And then the Dash are fourth. And then after that, it's it's interesting. You have um, the Spirit probably coming in around five with the Red Stars in the mix as well. The Red Stars should be a top four team, okay? The Red Stars should be a top four team, but can they get Mallory Pugh going? Because two losses in the early going isn't obviously great at all. So looking at, at that table, you're seeing Houston should be in the mix for the top four. Um, if you're the spirit, I think it's the same old story, sadly. Mark Parsons comes in, and they absolutely dominate in that first half. It wasn't even close. In the first, Ashley Hatch looked phenomenal. That's a, a nas- She looks like a national team player playing amongst you know, domestic league players. Both goals, great, great work around the box, just clean touches, clean finishing. Um, they were dominating. They were absolutely dominating, and then Louisville showed that they're going to have plenty of fight in them, and this has kind of been the problem for the Spirit, is that they have not been able to close. Just like the Dash haven't been able to close in the past, this is another case of a game where you're clearly ahead, and you can't see it through. Abby Urseg immediately gave them the spark they needed to start the second half. A beautiful-headed, emphatic header to score, bring them back in the game. And then Ari Borges with 
Um, it's definitely making our top five goals list this week. You, could, you better believe that. I mean, what a clean strike on the half volley. It doesn't get much better than that. And so that's the beauty of this league. Is like there, there's so there's so much talent and, and so many great players that like you could be the better team for a large majority of the game, but all it takes is one moment of magic from Ari Borges and it's a draw now, and you lose your points because you were unable to to see it through. So a tough one for the Spirit. That's something they're gonna have to overcome this year if they want to crack that top four, uh, because. They have the team. Mark Rikorian's come in. They brought in Mark Parsons. They've brought in everyone that you could bring in from a high level at the front office to try and turn this thing um, around and, and get get that title again. So they're trying to get back there. Uh, there's, they've still got a little bit of work to do. Again, it's still early, two games in. There's a World Cup coming later. A lot going on, but keep an eye on that. Uh, the OL Reign looked fantastic against Gotham. No question about it. Gotham, I think, benefited from Angel City and that home opener. They did, They deserved the comeback. They did well. But this was a little bit more indicative of what it's going to be like for Gotham this year if they can't create chances. Zero shots on target. Ten shots, zero on target. That, quite frankly, is not good enough. Um they have the they have the players between you know Ali Long, Christine Ewis, Lynn Williams, Midge Purse, you bring in Kelly O'Hara. They have they have players there, but can you get this group to mesh together? Whereas the Rain are a fully formed unit. Just Fishlock with an easy one in the first, and then Balser got one in the second half. So they're cruising. This rain team again is going to be in the mix for one of the best teams in the year. Gotham didn't really do much to trouble them in that one, and I think if you're the rain, yeah, that that's going to be again one of the teams to beat. Then of course we've we've talked about the wave being in that mix. Three-one. Uh, Jaden Shaw getting the scoring started again. I mean, this girl is going to be something special. She looks the part. She really, really looks the part. Carolyn uh, would add a penalty later on to make things slightly interesting, but it was 3-0 at that point. Alex Morgan and uh, the Wave, this team is, again, building this team around Alex Morgan is, you know, it's a genius move. And then you add Jaden Shaw around her. You have Naomi Gurma as centerpiece uh, center back. And then Taylor Corny and Kabir Ali. So it, it's fun seeing this team uh, have what it has. They've built it really well. Casey Stoney's done an incredible job. So the wave again, looking like early on that they're going to be in the mix here down the down the end of the line. And then of course Angel City taking on the Orlando Pride. Let's hope that Angel City can can make up for that previous result and and get a win in Orlando. But that will be a tough matchup for sure. You better believe that. Um, Orlando's going to bring everything they have, even though they lost the first one. So did Angel City. But I think, yeah, this is a big game for both teams if they want to make that playoff push. Like, you want to get your season off on the right foot. You want to get those three points in a winnable game. So this is a winnable game for both teams, and we'll see how it plays out. Alrighty, taking you into Europe now, there was an insane game uh, this past week. And if you didn't catch it, 
I'm sorry, but let's let me let's get into what you might have missed. Chelsea versus Lyon, a Champions League quarterfinal for the ages. Now, off the bat, right? This is the type of game where it could be a final, but it happens in the quarterfinal because again, once you get to that stage, you get some really good teams matched up against each other. Chelsea had a 1-0 lead coming in on aggregate thanks to Aaron Cutbird's beautiful nutmeg and assist to Girl Wrighton, who calmly slotted the ball home. It was 1-0 going into the second leg. And for the most part, Chelsea were in control of the tie in the first half. And then it got bad. Vanessa Gilles on the near post scoring a goal that she should not have... <laughs> you know, that's a goal that <laughs> any back line would be like, no. She should not be scoring from that position, and any goalie would say, "We, I can't get beat near post there. But Vanessa Gilles tied it on aggregate, and then Sarah Debritz gave them the lead in extra time, and it seemed like Chelsea was dead. They seemed dead and buried, down 2-1 on aggregate. It seemed like it was over, and then right at the end, right at the death, I don't know what exactly went on, but Lauren James drew a controversial penalty Whatever you want to call it, a soft call, a dive, whatever you want to call it, it's interesting. It's one of those calls at the end of the game where, as a ref, you're directly impacting the outcome of the game with a soft call, but do you call it? It's one of those where it's a tough call. It could have really could have gone either way, but Marin Mielda... You want to talk about pressure penalty, 120th minute, you miss, it's over, you lose, and she buries it, stepped up, cold-blooded penalty, and then in the shootout of all people, even more drama, especially for us Americans, even more drama, Lindsay Horan steps up and missed in the shootout. Absolutely heartbroken for her because we know she's one of the best players in the world. Um, the penalty was good, but it wasn't good enough. It was still at a comfortable enough height for Anne Catherine Berger, who got to her left and then celebrated and heartbroken. You could see Lindsay Horan's reaction just bro- breaking out into tears after the game, but that's that's the game for you. The ecstasy on one side for Lyon, for Chelsea, excuse me, and agony on the other side for Lyon. Uh, that's how it is, especially in the shootout. Lyon will have to feel like they were minutes away from winning and it's going to be the match that got away from them and now Chelsea goes to Barcelona a team that absolutely destroyed them last year so hey you want to fulfill your dream of winning this trophy here you go take on a team that beat you it's truly fitting you can't write it better than this honestly if you're Chelsea you want to win the Champions League trophy so bad you're going to have to go through Arguably three of the best teams in the world. Probably, Regardless, right, you have to beat Barca in two legs. And then you have to beat the winner of Wolfsburg Arsenal. Which is, again, no slouch either. Wolfsburg's really, really good. So it's going to be a fun end to the Champions League season. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. We've got the semifinals, I believe, this month and next month. So, again, keep it locked. DAZN, I think, is the company that right now that has rights to Champions League so again subscribe there and make sure that uh, you follow it there but it's going to be an incredible two semifinals 
And lastly, before we get out of here, we just mentioned Wolfsburg. They've been utterly dominant in the Freund Bundesliga. Utterly dominant. And so, could actually happen that Bayern is going to dethrone them, which would be unheard of, okay? Unheard of. Like, Wolfsburg's won the league five years running. And so, if Bayern can dethrone them, you know, Bayern's probably the biggest men's team in Germany, but Wolfsburg's is the biggest women's team in the front Bundesliga, and Bayern's coming to dethrone them. Georgia Stanway was one of their biggest signings coming over from Manchester City, and they're coming for it. So this is a this is gonna be a very fun finish to the front Bundesliga and not only the front Bundesliga, but I believe D1 Arkema as well is is gonna be a tight finish between Leon and PSG. PSG, I believe, dethroned them last year, and they're coming for them again this year. So Leon, uh, now I think has a little bit more to focus on now that they're not. They've been knocked out, so they're probably not going to lose the league. But for Bayern, you pretty much just have to win out five games in a league that isn't particularly strong, and they should be able to get there. So overall, going to be a fun last couple of months to the season for the European schedule. And, of course, the beginning of the end of USL season as well. All that. And, again, we're going to be continually bringing all of the latest and greatest news, analysis, everything that you need. We're bringing it to you. That is all that I have for you today on Episode 60 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much again for tuning in to Girls Soccer Network. Again, check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. Or go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com for more, more info. Again, if you want to check me out, my name is Rotas Wadera, R-O-H-T-A-S, Wadera, W-A-D-E-R-A. Check me out on Instagram at Rowan Detas, R-O-W-I-N-D-A-T-A-S 25, Rowan Detas 25 on Instagram. Check me out there. And again, give me a follow. Any advice, feedback you have for us at GSN, for myself, please, please let us know. Thank you guys for everything and for all your support. We love y'all. Peace.